When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, welcome to the latest instalment of the Arsenal Way's Press Box Show. Uh, I'm Chris Davison, I'm your, your host of this uh, episode. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by two fantastic journalists here for Football London, Kai Kainak and Chris Wheatley. I'm sure you are all familiar with their excellent Arsenal work. Uh, pleasure to have you, Kaya. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, good to be here. Now, our pleasure as always. Chris, how are you doing, my friend? Really good, thank you. I'm so, so happy in the words of Pep Guardiola. So, so happy to be here. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, let's get started then. Obviously, uh, a big game this weekend. And Arsenal going into this fixture, eight games unbeaten in all competitions. <laughs> Is this a sign uh, of, of things to come maybe for, for Arsenal and Mikel Arteta? You know, obviously we had that horrid start at the, the beginning of the season, but they've done quite well to to get through it and react positively. Kaya, um, do you think we can keep it up? It's a tough test. It's probably the, the toughest test Arsenal have had, I'd say, um, in this sort of eight-match run. It's been quite a nice run of fixtures for Arsenal, with all due respect to the teams they played. And you know, Even against Crystal Palace, which is a game you would have thought they'd win, they didn't perform too well in that one. So this, I think, will be a good marker. I forgot about Tottenham there, of course, in the run of fixtures, <laughs> who are also supposedly a good team that Arsenal had to play. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a tough test at King Power. Away to Leicester is always a difficult game. Arsenal's record there under Arteta is quite good. But before him, they'd only won once uh, in the Premier League since Leicester got promoted again. Um, so it's not the best Arsenal's record up at the King Power. So um, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think there's a lot of solid ground in terms of the back five. looks pretty good, although um, maybe we'll come on to that a bit later in terms of injuries. That might get a bit shaken up this week. But yeah, back five looks good. Um, midfield is looking better. And obviously the... Forward line is looking pretty good, although more goals would be needed just to really hammer that home. Arsenal have only scored, I think, nine, maybe ten goals in the Premier League this season. It's not really enough for a team like Arsenal. So, yeah, I guess I guess we'll see this Saturday. It's probably going to be the sternest test uh, this side of space. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, I, I'm hoping the team can go into the, the game against the Foxes uh, with a lot of confidence after, you know, quite an encouraging win against Aston Villa. Uh, Kai, you touched on things there, but Chris... <laughs> You know, what are the, some of the things that still concern you about this Arsenal team? You know, I, th I think it's fair to say it's still got a few inconsistencies in terms of, you know, one week, they're very, very good going forward, they get chances, solid defensively. But then we go into that game against Crystal Palace um, last week or the week before. And, you know, we, we seem to drop off a little bit. Does, does that concern you? You know, how does Mikel Arteta try to find consistency with this Arsenal team? Yeah, I think it's a good point you make there, Chris. In terms of like the the dropping off, I think maybe part of that is down to the fact the squad is quite a youthful squad. We know that um, it's one of the youngest, if not the youngest, in the Premier League at the moment. I think Mikel Arteta has spoken uh, in depth about that. Um, but I think as well, if you if you read Kaya's um, article on uh, Nicholas Jova, the 
uh, set piece coach at Arsenal. It was a really good piece from Kaya. I think um, there's a lot of improvements in the, the team that we've seen over the past few months. And I think set pieces uh, is certainly one area uh, where Arsenal have certainly improved. And um, as, as Kaya said in his piece, I think this is certainly an area where Arsenal uh, have improved on. But I know you've just asked me about the the weaknesses in the squad. I think there are, of course, weaknesses, um, especially in that kind of fullback area when there's injuries. Um, but you know what? I really like Nuno Tavares. I think he's done well recently. Um, he's certainly someone I think can, who can compete with uh, Kieran Tierney for that left-back spot. Um, and yeah, again, I think it's something to, to look out for in the coming uh, weeks and games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you touched on there, really impressed with Nuno Tavares. You know, he's done really well since since joining. I think, you know, arriving through the doors at London Colney, you would expect Kieran Tierney to be the, the, the main option at, at left back. But still, he's continued working hard. And when he has played, he's looked really, really promising. I think... Obviously, consistency with results and performances is, is still something that needs to be improved on. You know, as as I said earlier, you know, we we play really well against Tottenham uh, and then go in against Brighton and that attacking threat isn't there. I think if we weren't as solid defensively that game, we, we wouldn't have come away with a point. Um, and I, I just think, you know, we need to see more of those Tottenham performances, more against what we saw, you know, the likes of Aston Villa, for example, um, more consistently. And I think, obviously, if we want to climb up the table, want to be competing with the top teams in the league, then that consistency is key. And obviously, we need to get as many wins as possible. Um, let's talk about Leicester itself in that game tomorrow. It, it, as Kaya touched on a little while ago, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, it's going to be a big test. I think Jamie Vardy's back uh, for Brendan Rodgers' side. He loves a goal against Arsenal as well. Um, Chris, uh, how concerning is that for you? And, you know, who do you think in that Arsenal back line can play a key part in keeping them quiet? Well, you read my mind there, Chris. I was just reading a stat from Orbinio on Twitter. Jamie Vardy scored more Premier League goals against Arsenal than any other opponent in Premier League history. Um, and those goals have come in just 13 appearances. So I think if there's any player who's going to score tomorrow, it's probably going to be Jamie Vardy. And I think... Um, after he came so close to signing for Arsenal as well all those years ago, uh, he certainly enjoys playing against uh, against Arsenal. And I think he's just such a difficult striker to play against. And uh, for me, one of the one of the most interesting players to have played in the Premier League in recent seasons. You know his rise from non-league. I think he's going to cause lots of problems for that Arsenal defence. I think if Ben White is fit, I would have uh, high hopes that Ben White can do a decent job against him. But if he doesn't make uh, make it for that game, um, then it will be interesting to see who uh, he does face. But yeah, I think Jamie Vardy is clearly one player to watch out for. And uh, James Madison, certainly another one. I'm sure we'll get onto him a bit later. Yeah, absolutely. Kaya, coming to you, what will Arsenal need to get right from the very start tomorrow in order to, to come away with the three points? I think there's a lot of focus on what Leicester will do to Arsenal, but Arsenal can attack a lot of Leicester's weaknesses. They've got a lot of players who are capable of doing it. We've, Leicester have been playing a back three recently, um, which has worked very well for them. But Villa played a back three against Arsenal last week and they found a way to actually deal with it, which is a system Arsenal have struggled against, um, supposedly, in uh, recent games. I think that 4-4-2 worked nicely. I think Aubameyang and Lacazette can cause Leicester's back line, which isn't the quickest. Johnny Evans is not particularly quick, although I'm... Uh, Struggling to remember if he's fit or not. I think he's fit. But generally, that Leicester back line is not particularly quick. Um, so, Aubameyang 
Lacazette, Saka, Smith Rowe down the sides, they can cause them a lot of problems. And a lot of Leicester's width comes from those wing backs, um, Pereira, Castagna, etc. So those guys, Arsenal, I think, have the tools necessary to really, um, I guess, deal with it. But um, if you look at the midfield, I think. Chris paid a very nice compliment about one of my pieces, and I'll give him I'll give him a fiver for that later. But um, I'll, I'll return the favour, and um, I'll, I'll, I'll point you in the direction of his piece on James Madison, which is very good. Which is why Arsenal didn't end up signing him in the summer. Obviously, it was it was considered sort of to be an either or between him and Martin Odegaard. Uh, if you read the piece, you'll see it wasn't quite as simple as that. But um, yeah, I think Arsenal have all the tools to stop a player like James Madison. I think Sambi Lukonga and Thomas Party will be able to potentially neutralise his threat. I'm worried about jinxing it now. And Come two o'clock tomorrow, we'll be talking about what a man of match performance James Madison had. But I think Arsenal have a lot of strength. Obviously, you have to be aware of the fact that Patson Dacker is scoring a lot of goals. Jamie Vardy loves a goal against Arsenal. Harvey Barnes is a great attacking player as well. So Leicester have a lot of weapons in, in their arsenal, if you'll pardon the pun. But um, I think, yeah, Arsenal definitely are well-placed, I think, to potentially get a very decent result away from home. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You know, I think despite Leicester having a slow start of their own this season, they've still got a lot of quality within their team. But Chris, just just on that, that Leicester, they have had a difficult start. It probably wasn't the, the quickest, the most uh, impressive that Brennan Rodgers would have been hoping for. So surely this is kind of a good time to be playing them, considering Arsenal's change in form as well. I know Leicester have picked it up in recent weeks, but um, are you a bit more confident heading into this one than you would be any other time? Well, I mean, I don't want to talk in cliches, but it's it's the Premier League, you know, anything can happen. Well, I mean, that is a cliche, isn't it? But <laughs> I think that Arsenal will be confident going into the game. You know, they're, they're coming in off a, a good run of form. I think Mikel Arteta has um, instilled a lot of confidence in the players at, at London Colney. And I think that's something you're seeing on the pitch at the moment, especially those youngsters. Um, and even the senior players as well, someone like Lacazette, um, who's going to be leaving in the summer. Someone like Eddie Nketiah, who's scoring in the Carabao Cup, hasn't even played in the Premier League. So everyone in the squad is kind of firing on all cylinders. Um, but yeah, I think, as Kai has just pointed out, Leicester, really dangerous team. Um, their rise over the past few years has been fantastic. It's been amazing. And um, I think they're always a team to watch out for. So yeah, look, I, it's a difficult game to predict. And uh, I think Arsenal can be confident going into the game at least. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all done the right thing there by trying not to jinx it. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I think two sides, you know, in good, relatively good form now. It'll be an interesting contest for sure. Chris, you touched on a moment ago about Ben White's um, sort of, well, the potential unavailability for, for, for him uh, tomorrow. If he isn't, fit um it's also concerns about Kieran Tierney as well you know two vital players to, to Mikel Arteta's side Kieran Tierney's probably had a bit of a slow start compared to what he's used to um, but he's still a big threat for us going forward down that left-hand side he's obviously really good defensively Ben White despite the criticism and the question marks early on he started to find his feet a bit more and has been leaving I think a lot of us quite impressed over the last couple of weeks how much of a blow would that be um, for if, if either of them or both of them are unavailable tomorrow? And how could Arteta potentially work around it? Would it be obviously a, a formation change, do you reckon? Or would it just be a, a case of changing personnel at the back? Was that to me? Sorry, that question. Yeah, that's it, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think uh, I think 
if Ben White isn't available, then Arsenal do have a ready-made replacement, maybe a different kind of profile. Um, Kaya is a big fan of him as well. You know, you know who I'm going to say before I even mention him. Rob Holding, uh, I think, is uh, is just one of these players who is reliable for Arsenal, in my view. I think he's someone who is a professional on and off the pitch. He carries himself so well. He's respected by everyone. He's the kind of player that Mikel Arteta really likes to have uh, in the squad. And I think he's more than capable of filling in. Um, of course, he's not that same profile as Ben White, someone who's going to take the ball out of defence and uh, and take it through the midfield. But I think he's still someone who it, can add some solidity to the defence. So, yeah, I think Arsenal do have a, a, a re- replacement for White if he's not available. Didn't realise uh, either of you were a fan of Rob Holden. I miss, must have missed that. Um, but uh, Kaya, um, coming to you on this, could we potentially see Tommy Asu get the nod for like, a right centre-back role, for example? Would you be tempted with that? Would you be maybe like to see Ainsley Maitland-Niles come in as, as a right-back or right-wing-back? Do you think that that's something Arteta could consider? I suppose it definitely highlights the versatility that, that he has now to choose from in his back line. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd, I'd like to see Tommy Asu move from the right-back spot. I think he's done quite a good job there. Uh, yeah, contrary to popular opinion, Chris and I are both big fans of Rob Holding. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. And actually, I thought he did quite a good sort of Ben White impersonation against Leeds. He dribbled out, of, uh, out from the back mm. into the opposition half a couple of times. But unfortunately, he did go off injured in that game. So I'm not 100% sure what his um, fitness is in terms of availability for tomorrow. Um but we'll see. We didn't get an update on the on him in the press conference. McCarthy um, has kept it quite vague. Personally, I would go. I'd, I'd be fine with going for Callum Chambers in that role. I think he's a good centre back, and I think if you're going to move Tommy Asu into centre back, then it's a bit of a slap in the face to Chambers to not include him at all. Yes, I get that you have to be ruthless and play the, the best players that are available to you, but I think Callum Chambers is a good defender. I know he had a poor start to the season. He was really poor in those games against City and Brentford, but I think he's still got it in him. He scored a goal with his first touch in midweek, so maybe his confidence will be sky high after that. That would be my option. Um, for me, Izzy Maitland-Niles is a midfielder right now. He's covered for party and Sambi Lukonga, so Arsenal can't really risk um, something happening to him. I think they need him right now just in terms of numbers in the midfield, and I think he did really well in midweek as well. So I wouldn't look to make too many changes with that back line, I keep Tommy Asu where he is. I wouldn't move him to centre-back. I keep him at right-back just because of that balance the opposite side, especially with Alvarez or Tierney, whoever it is, end up bombing on the, the left wing. That would, that, yeah, so Chambers, Chambers in the back four would be what I'd go for. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that one. I wouldn't be, although obviously he can, can play there, um, as he has done before in his career, I wouldn't move Tommy Asu. I'd, I'd stick him... Um, at right back again, as you said, he's he's done really well there. And obviously, if, if Rob Holden gets the green light and he's he's fit to play, then then go with him. If not, Callum Chambers. Let's go from the the back line to the more well central midfield, attacking midfield area in this Arsenal team. And as uh, you touched on earlier, Chris um, James Madison was um, linked heavily linked to a move to Arsenal um, in the summer. But we opted for Martin Odegaard. Hopefully Chris is still there. <laughs> we, we, we opted for, for Martin Odegaard in, instead. He's had a relatively slow start. I think that's fair to say. Uh, and, you know, although he's, he's had a couple of decent performances, there's been question marks over his impact on the team. Some fans even suggesting that he's, he's been missing in recent weeks. Should we be concerned about Martin Odegaard's form? And 
you know, is it too early to suggest, to suggest that we we went made the wrong signing uh, and should have gone for for James Madison instead? You know, it's just going to be typical for Madison to to show up tomorrow and put in a man of the match performance. Yeah. Um, well, look, I think Arsenal probably made the right decision in the end with uh, James Madison. Uh, I think maybe talking a little bit about that, the thinking behind that decision. He's half the price. And Martin Odegaard was half the price of Madison. Um, I think with the agent's fees as well, Madison would have cost over £60 million. So it was a decision which made sense for Arsenal financially and I guess on the pitch as well, because James Madison has actually recently spoken about his like dip in form over the past few months, um, which, uh, you know, he had injury problems as well last season. Um, so I think it was the right decision from Arsenal. But, you know, these players always have something to prove, don't they, when the, they don't get the move uh, to the to the club that wanted them. And I think tomorrow he's probably going to be uh, really keen on showing Mikel Arteta exactly what he's all about. Um, but Martin Odegaard, on the other hand, I think Kaya is probably well-placed to speak a bit about him because I know he's a big fan of uh, Odegaard and what he can add to the Arsenal side. So, yeah, like, I think Odegaard's been a great signing, but maybe Kaya can uh, answer that one. Yeah, Go I on, Kaya, take got... it away. Yeah, I will, I will. Um, Odegaard's got a lot to offer this Arsenal side. And I don't think it's a case of just because Lacazette came into the team last week, that means we'll never see him again. Um, Arsenal will go for different setups to play different teams and different formations to go for different oppositions and different weaknesses. It's a squad game. And you look at Lacazette, he was nowhere near the picture two weeks ago. Now everyone's saying he should be starting every single match and it would be weird for him not to be starting. Things change very quickly in football. No one thought Aaron Ramsdale would be first choice when he first came in. He's immediately first choice now. So for me, Odegaard's important. I didn't like him so much in the deeper role, um, sort of doing that Granit Xhaka imitation. I get why Arteta tried it, just because Odegaard's one of the more technically solid players and he's a good passer. So I was thinking, he was probably thinking, why not try that a little bit deeper, just try and replicate what Xhaka does. But I think Odegaard is someone who needs to be a bit closer to the opposition goal to really impact the game. He looks to sort of progress the ball up the pitch, not so much by dribbling, but he's a, he's more of a passer. People compare him to Smith Rowe. I think they're very different players. Sorry, I was got so excited. I actually found into my laptop there and shook the screen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think Odegaard's a really good player. I think he's allowed a dip in form and we should remember that he's injured at the minute. He, was, he wasn't injured in that Brighton game where I thought he had a really poor game, but uh, after the international break, he has been struggling with an injury. Um, so Mikel Arteta confirmed that today. And that's why he wasn't able to play on Tuesday against Leeds. And that's why I think he wasn't starting well, maybe Lacazette would have come in based on form anyway, but against Villa, he didn't start that game because um, he was carrying an injury and he was carrying an injury against Palace as well. So when he's back to full fitness, I think there will be games for him to play and he'll be really important for Arsenal this season. I really like him as a player and I'm, I'm always hesitant to judge a player after, what is it, like five games he had in an Arsenal shirt since he signed permanently. So plenty of time for him to turn things around. I mean, he is only 22. We forget that because he's been around for so long, but still very young. He's still developing, still learning as a player. And hopefully, going to get even better for Arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, your, your your last point in particular was really important. He's still young. I think, even though he he had, he had a loan spell here last season, it was still quite a short loan spell. We had to quickly adjust, and it was a bit of a rush for him. Uh, and you know, his Arsenal, well, his time at Arsenal was is still very early on. Um, so it, it wouldn't be fair to judge him. I understand the concern, obviously. I guess the links with James Madison in the summer doesn't help because there was understandably a lot of excitement around that because he is a, a very talented player. You know, we would have been getting a, a Premier League proven player who probably would have impacted the team a bit quicker. But um, 
yeah, I mean, there's been injury problems that the rest of the team as a whole, let's, let's be honest, is, is, hasn't done quite um, well uh, this so far this season. Obviously, a very slow start, um, very disappointing start. The team wasn't playing well. Um, and yeah, Martin Odegaard operating in that deeper role in central midfield just doesn't work. I, th- I looked at his stats the other week and um, for the majority of his career, he, he's played in that number 10 role. He's even played out wide more times than he's, he's been put in central midfield. So that just isn't a position I, I don't think suits him at all. Um, Chris, coming to you, just staying on Odegaard for, for, for a little bit longer. <sighs> Are you confident that he will come good at Arsenal? But he's, you know, he's obviously playing in that number ten role. It's a big responsibility, scoring goals, providing assists, getting things ticking moving forward. But do you think if he can stay injury free, get a, a clear, a good run of games, and you know finds his feet a bit more, it will make a big difference for Arsenal and Arteta moving forward. Yeah, like, I think with Odegaard, maybe we're being a bit too harsh on him. Like, I, I think in terms of expectations, people are probably. Um, expecting goals and assists. We know he's not really a goal scorer. He's a playmaker. And I think it's not just assists as well when it comes to playmakers. It's what they do in terms of their movement on the ball and off the ball. I think Erdegaard is someone who really impresses Mikel Arteta with his pressing, with his energy, with his work rate. And again, as we were speaking about Rob Holding earlier in terms of personality of players, Erdegaard is one of these players who has a really great personality in terms of on the training ground. I think um, he's captain of, of Norway at the age of 22 years old. You know, it's it's a really impressive achievement for him. Um, and I think the fact is uh, that Mikel Arteta goes for these kind of players who have good personalities and obviously great technical ability. Um, but I think the personality is really key, isn't it, to making sure that everyone is on the same page and uh, in terms of uh, morale, you need to have the right characters at the club. And I think in the past, Arsenal have maybe not have had those great characters. Um, and I think that's certainly starting to change now. Yeah, absolutely. I tend to agree. Let's, let's give him a bit more time. I think it will be more um, fair of us to judge him at the end of the season um, when he's obviously hopefully recovered from injury, had a clear run of games and had time to impact the, the team a bit more. Um, and hopefully, obviously, considering the team's change in fortunes and the change in their form as well, that will impact Odegaard in a positive way as well. Uh, moving on to our, our fifth and final um, topic of this show. Um, Mikhail Arteta was asked about William Saliba, unsurprisingly, in his press conference this morning. And um, rather interestingly, he obviously touched on how Edu had been in over to France to, to watch him recently. Now, this is a player who's, you know, causing, um, well, you know, a lot of top talking points on, on social media amongst the, the fan base. Understandably so, you know, we've brought him for, I think, what, 26, 27 million pounds, I think it was a couple of summers ago. Um, very big talent, a lot of potential. But his Arsenal career has obviously been very up and down so far. He hasn't, um, I don't think he's made a senior appearance in an Arsenal shirt yet, has he? So, William Saliba, Chris, what does his future look like? You know, if Edu goes to France and watches him put in these really impressive performances against some top teams, obviously the, the fan base have been really impressed with him as well. But if Edu goes over there and isn't still convinced by him, what can Saliba actually do to secure a future at Arsenal Football Club? 
To be fair, I'm not convinced Edu was there just to see Saliba. I think it's also it was a really good game and it was a really big game, wasn't it? Um, I think that's one of the reasons he was there. Ben Napper was he watching uh, watching potential transfer targets, Chris? Uh, I'm not going to say anything because I'll be quoted on that. Okay, but uh, okay, but, Messi, yeah, you come in. <laughs> Messi, yeah, <laughs> you never know, maybe. Um, what was I saying? I forgot what I was saying now. Uh, in terms of um, Edu, yeah, Ben Napo is what I was going to mention, the loans manager. He mm. is there uh, following a lot of the, the players, keeping in touch with, with them regularly. And he's someone who's been in the clubs from the Arsene Wenger days. He's worked his way up in the club. He's really respected. Uh, but in terms of Saliba, I don't think he's... I don't think there's any doubts over his technical ability. I think everyone can see that. Every every fan, every pundit, everyone can see how good he is on the ball um, and how good of a defender he is. I think the doubts are, and I'm actually writing an article at the moment, so hopefully this doesn't get published before the article is out. Um, the doubts are over his kind of personality. Uh, I think those doubts are from Arteta about Saliba's kind of personality uh, more than his actual ability. Um uh, and I think this is something that we've kind of had with Guendouzi, a bit different. You know, he's had his disciplinary issues. He's been pushed out the door. Um, and the rea- reality is, as I've written before, uh, most of the players signed by Unai Emery and Arsene Wenger have been kicked out or, you know, they've been sold or loaned out. Um, I think Granit Xhaka is maybe the exception, but he was almost sold in the summer. Bernd Leno is going to be gone very soon. So, yeah, look, I think most of those players have been... Mikel Arteta wants his own squad um, and he's made that clear. And I think Saliba may be just the victim of that. But at the same time, we're expecting a decision to be made on his future in the summer. He's got, I think he's got a year to run or two years to run on his contract in the summer. So he'll be uh, looking to either extend or make a decision on his future uh, next summer. Yeah, that's some very interesting points you make there, and I look forward to that article coming out later. Kaya, just touching on what Chris said there, I, I can understand Arteta wanting, you know, the right personalities with the right attitude within within the camp at Arsenal. Um, you know, the, the situation with Guendouzi was perhaps a bit clearer because a lot of people, ex-players, ex-coaches uh, who had worked with, with him, have all said the same thing in terms of his, his character, his personality. He's probably his age shows sometimes and um, he needs to, to focus on his football a bit more. But can you understand why fans are becoming increasingly annoyed with some of Arteta's decisions? Because there's no doubting Saliba's quality, um, Gwen Doozy's quality are two very talented youngsters who have big futures ahead of them. So can you see why the fans are becoming increasingly frustrated with Arteta's opinions on them and you know his his stance on the whole situation? Saliba, yes. Guendouzi, no. Um, I think Guendouzi was the right decision. I think he'd become almost a toxic influence on the dressing room by the end. And if you're looking to mm. create an environment where you're rewarding players for how they act on the training ground and you're having to play someone who's acting terribly on the training ground and not acting very well on the pitch either, then it doesn't really suggest that anything's that coherent. I think Mikel Arteta... When he came in, for the minute he came in, he spoke about the non-negotiables and that needed to be done at Arsenal. I think there was a culture where, um, I guess, and taking some games easy was accepted and taking easy on the training ground towards the end of the Wenger days. I don't think Unai Emery was ever really able to overcome it. 
um, from what I hear anyway. But um, I think Arteta did a great job at just sort of breaking down that culture, getting rid of some of the bad apples in the dressing room, which needed to be done. And I don't know if Saliba falls into that category. I mean, I have, I've not read Chris's piece yet, so I'm looking forward to it coming out. But um, for what I'd say about the Saliba situation is, it, for me, it seems that, and again, this is from um, Chris's interview with his personal trainer, it seems like he is a guy who just wants to play. So I don't think he's that, I, I'm just going to say doesn't think he's that bothered, but he clearly is bothered about where he plays. But he wants to be playing first team football. He's 20 years old. He'll be 21 by the time he comes back to Arsenal. He's young. He needs to get games to develop. And if he does come back to Arsenal, it will be a case of him being second fiddle to Ben White, who never gets injured. He played a full 46-game season for Leeds in the Championship. He played every single minute. So, I mean, cue him not being in the starting lineup tomorrow, me having said that. But Ben White is someone who rarely misses a game. And the reason for that is he's an incredible professional and dedicates himself. And I can't see... Mikel Arteta was asked if Saliba had stayed, would it be a case of him playing that game on Tuesday in the Carabao Cup and then being back on the bench for Saturday? And he more or less said yes. So if Saliba wants to do that, I think he'll have a place back in the Arsenal squad next season. If he wants to go somewhere where he's starting every single game, then I think Arsenal will look to move him on. So I think it seems from what I'm getting from sort of inclinations is that Arsenal would like to keep him. They'd like to involve him in the squad next season, but they can't guarantee him a starting spot. And then it's up to Saliba. Does he want a guaranteed starting spot or is he willing to try and fight for a place where he might not be guaranteed as many minutes? That's the, the decision he's got to make. And I think that's the decision Arsenal have got to make. It's going to be an interesting one to, to see how it unfolds next summer. But still, lots can happen between them and now. Yeah, absolutely. I think whatever decision Arteta and Edu comes to, you know, is always going to divide opinion of the fan base. It's one of those things. And I suppose it's it's a, sort of a nice situation to be in because, you know, we talk about Gwen Doozy, who's obviously a central midfielder, but Saliba in that central uh, defensive role is joined by a couple of other um, young, promising players at Arsenal. Obviously, Mavropanos is out on loan. Daniel Ballard is out on loan as well. Um, Chris, I saw your piece. It looks like that Mavropanos deal is going to be made permanent. Um, but there's still high hopes for for Daniel Ballard as well, isn't there? Yeah, Mavropanos, uh, yeah, uh, big disappointment that he uh, hasn't kind of made it at Arsenal. Um, but look, I feel like he's someone who is going to probably be worth 15, 20 million pounds in the next couple of years, doing really well at Stuttgart. But Ballard, yeah, he's really talented. Um, I'm not quite convinced that he's going to make it at Arsenal. Um, but I think, you know, it's likely that he'll probably extend his contract, be loaned out and possibly be sold um, either in January or the summer. Some are more likely for Ballard. Um, I should probably put this in a, in a piece uh, as well instead of <laughs> saying it on the video. But yeah, um, no, I think uh, Ballard is really talented. Millwall really like him. Did well at Blackpool last season. Lots of championship clubs are interested in him. Um, so, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a nice problem for Arsenal to have um, for once. You know, so many talented young centre-backs. Um, obviously, not all of them are going to make it at the club, but it does mean um, that they can make profit on quite a few of them. So I think that's a, a good thing uh, for the club, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as you said, you know, a, a nice problem for the club to have, um, but also leaves them with a lot to evaluate at the end of the season. So it will be interesting. Before we wrap up, fellas, I've, I've obviously got to grab some uh, pre-Leicester predictions. So, Kyle, we'll start with you. How do you see it panning out? Um, so I've said Arsenal are going to be able to attract... Uh, take the advantage sorry, of um, a lot of Leicester's weaknesses and now I've come to predictions and now I feel suddenly less confident all of a sudden. But um, 
Let's go for 2-1 to the Arsenal, just because I think Arsenal will score goals. And I think they've got a strong enough defence to score more than Leicester or keep out less. I don't really know, but I think Arsenal will win 2-1 on the day. Yep, Kyle with a 2-1 prediction there. I, I, I predicted the same earlier in the Arsenal agenda stream. Chris, are you as just as hopeful with us on this one? Well, if you listen to our predictions last season, it was always me going with that 2-1. And I, I don't want to copy Kyle. <laughs> so I'm going to go for a narrow 3-2 goal fest victory Whoa. for Arsenal. But interesting, don't interesting. Don't put your money on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Arsenal being Arsenal will put, put us through it all um, during that 90 minutes uh, and we'll, we'll be stressing as always. Um, so, uh, yeah, it'll be a, a good contest for sure, but um, hopefully Arsenal have enough to come out on top. That's the end of the Arsenal Press Box show. Kaya, Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, a pleasure as always. And thank you to all of you for tuning in and watching. If you haven't already, I'm sure you probably are following Kaya and Chris on Twitter. But if not, what on earth are you playing at? You can see their Twitter handles down the bottom there. Get following them and me if you like to. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you so much, Kyra and Chris, for joining us. Fingers crossed for a positive Arsenal performance tomorrow. And be sure to keep up to date with everything down the Arsenal way. Goodbye, everyone.